One of the greatest obstacles to crafting health and wellness is identifying and controlling inflammation. It's at the core of all complex and chronic diseases, and it's the driving mechanism that underlies the most common symptoms that people like you struggle to overcome. Join us as we explore cutting-edge science and research to give you the information and tools you need to create the quality of life you want and deserve. And now, here is the host of Inflammation Nation, Dr. Stephen Nosworthy. So I want to keep talking about this relationship between um, inflammation and, and exercise. And in the introductory episode to this little, let's call it a mini-series on exercise and inflammation, I, I talked about how if you're part of the inflammation nation, meaning that you have some kind of an inflammatory disorder, let's say chronic infections or autoimmunity, that exercise can either be your best friend or it can be your worst enemy. And that really hinges on your ability to handle the oxidative stress and the inflammatory load that comes from exercise itself. What I want to do is kind of start backfilling some general concepts. And, and then I guess a little bit later, we'll start talking a little bit more about some specifics and some details. But let's start with um, a really big picture question that really seeks to define the word fitness. And, you know, the hard thing is that there's there's no real universal definition. If you look it up on, I don't know, Wikipedia or just go to a web search engine and put in defined fitness, you're going to get generic, generic things like um, fitness is, is the state of being physically fit, which is weird because you can't really define a term by using the term itself. That That's kind of circular and and really brings no clarity. But I, I would venture to say, and, and to be honest, um, different health and exercise related associations over the years have offered statements of what fitness really means. Um, but there is no single authority that has the ability to define that. And so there is kind of some element of fitness is really kind of what you think it is. And, and that might sound like a little bit of a cop-out, but Unless you're some kind of an elite athlete or you're engaged in, uh, you know, some kind of high level competition where you are pitting your fitness against somebody else and, and there's a medal on the line or there's money on the line for the winner or winners, you know, then I don't really feel compelled to stick to a highly detailed definition of what fitness is, even though I do buy into it. For example, when we look at the world of high level um, athletic training or fitness competitions. I, I think the pinnacle and the best example of that would be the CrossFit Games. They define fitness as um, as being increased capacity across broad time and modal domains. That's a lot of words. <laughs> yeah, increased capacity across broad time and modal domains. And, and their understanding of that, I, which I think is probably the most advanced scientifically, captures a lot of different ideas. And I'll explain that as I go, but let me let me give you an example or kind of create some mental images. And if you've ever seen a, let's say a marathon runner, let's say a world champion marathon runner, uh, they are typically very lean, but also very thin and they lack a lot of musculature. But you'd be hard pressed to find someone, like if you ask the question, who is, who, what type of athlete is the fittest athlete around? There would be a large portion, I don't know what the number is, but there would be a large portion who might point to someone like a, a marathoner and say, well, it's a marathoner because they can run 
26.2 miles without stopping and they can do it in several hours and most people in the world can't do that but then you might say you might ask the same question of somebody else and you you might get a different answer and they might perhaps think about maybe power lifters or olympic lifters who can lift more weight against resistance than anybody else can and so what we see when we start to look at this idea of really what fitness is and ultimately what i want to try to do is introduce this idea to get you thinking about what fitness means to you and what is an appropriate and practical working definition that you can apply to your life because if you are part of the inflammation nation and you're struggling with your exercise capacity your, your ability to perform as well as to recover and if you're certainly if you're in the place where engaging in exercise really kind of makes you worse or at least keeps you locked into where you are nobody in their right mind is going to say well why don't you go out and train for a marathon or why don't you go deadlift 400 pounds <laughs> i mean that's just kind of ridiculous there's there's a massive mismatch but going back to this crossfit definition of fitness which, which is increased work capacity across broad time and modal domains to translate that into common language that basically means that the fittest person is the person who performs the best at multiple different tasks across broad time and modal domains means that they can for example sprint really fast for a short period of time in a short time duration or they can run longer distances and perform pretty well at that or they're a decent swimmer a decent runner they can do decent calisthenic type work and yeah they can lift reasonably heavy weights but they're not going to be the fastest swimmer they're not going to be um, the fastest runner they're not going to be the strongest athlete who can lift the most in the world it's about being good or reasonably good at a bunch of different things however having said that when it comes to exercise the last thing that you should do or anybody else who's trying to help you and guide you is create the impression that you have to compare your fitness level and your goals to someone else who might be an icon particularly if it's if that person is an icon in a very specific domain for example if you think that fitness is really about your cardio respiratory endurance and it's about being able to run a long time and, and maybe you have a cousin or a neighbor or there's someone in your community who is known for that if you're if you're trying to model that person because you think that exemplifies fitness and you're applying yourself to try to accomplish that then number one you're likely to crash and burn because the training volume and load to get to that point is beyond what your body can handle but number two let's say that you specialize in running long distances then you start to rob yourself of the benefits of all other aspects of of exercise and i'm not talking about swimming versus running or weightlifting versus swimming versus running i'm talking about things like um, endurance versus speed versus agility versus flexibility and there's several different adjectives that we can use and, and so to really kind of bring it back to big picture concepts that i think are useful and practical a fit person is someone who can perform reasonably well in a multitude of tasks that challenge your physical capacity now the reality is is that a lot of people who struggle with inflammatory type disorders have very low exercise tolerance and in fact one of the questions that i ask on my 
my intake questionnaire that I send out to people that I work with with one-on-one -on -one coaching, one of the questions is very simply, what is your exercise tolerance? And, and there's a, a series of answers that someone can pick from. And, and one of those is, um, I really can't exercise at all. Another option is, I can exercise a little bit, but it's very easy to overdo it. And another option, which is on the other extreme, is I can exercise as much as I want and feel fine. And that get back, gets back to this idea that your ability to tolerate exercise is tied up in your ability and your capacity to handle the negative consequences of training. And if you remember from the last episode, if you listen to that, if not, I would suggest you go back and listen to episode one in this little mini series, is that as exercise intensity increases, so does the production of free radicals, which causes oxidative stress, basically damaging your cells, your mitochondria. But it also increases the production of inflammatory chemicals. And so if you are doing any activity that exceeds your metabolic capacity to perform and recover, then what you're doing is inappropriate for where you are with your health and your well-being. So let me say that again, because this is a really critical, important, critically important concept. And it's something that we have to talk about for a while when we teach this in seminars to to doctors that are you know, coming to us to learn how to do functional medicine and, and do it well, is that we have to talk about this idea that although we all generally agree that exercise is a good thing for our patients or our clients to be doing, we can't just kind of set one standard and expect everybody to meet that. And in particular, when we're dealing with people from the inflammation nation with autoimmunities and chronic infections and mitochondrial dysfunction, and so on, is that we have to ask one simple question. What is your capacity to perform and recover? And let's first and foremost make sure that whatever activity and exercise you're engaging in, that you're not overwhelming your system. And sometimes that means dialing back on volume and intensity of work, and sometimes it means loading people up on anti-inflammatory compounds or um, antioxidants to dampen the free radicals to assist them to perform and recover. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's about you and your capacity. And so over the years, and this is not a concept that I've developed, it's something that I've learned from others, which is, you know, it's it's a great thing to say because I, I don't have to be responsible for making everything up and discovering new things. I can stand on the shoulder of giants and learn from people that are smarter, perhaps, and have gone before me. But ideally, what we want to do is understand someone's individual capacity and make sure, number one, that we're not overwhelming that in our quest to promote healthy diet, lifestyle, and activity. But also to be able to meet them where they are so that when we do start to recommend somebody get involved in an activity exercise program, we don't just go like, you know, write a prescription or, or send an email or a text that says, hey, why don't you go to a, an Orange Theory fitness class and let's get you exercising. And I'm picking on that just simply because the concept of Orange Theory Fitness is to exercise at about 80 to 85% of your uh, CO2, your uh, oxygen uptake maximum, which is a relatively high intensity workout. There are too many people who are struggling with health issues, chronic health issues that are inflammatory in nature, that are just simply misunderstanding the relationship that they and their body and their metabolism has with exercise. And so it is completely appropriate for someone who is has a low exercise tolerance, who's, you know, I can do a little bit, but it's very easy to overdo it. 
it is totally appropriate to begin with maybe a, like a seven week walking program or maybe some simple floor exercises, watching a video or following something on the internet. We don't have to hold out the standard that we all need to be super fit and we're gonna, we're gonna kind of jump the process or try to accelerate that and get you closer and doing more and doing more. So back to what, I, and I can't remember if I actually finished my thought, but I was saying that it's, it's totally appropriate in many cases for people who are struggling with activity and exercise to dial back volume and intensity, which is difficult because it's difficult quite often for people who, who believe rightly so that exercise is a good thing because we generally believe that if something's good, more of that same thing is better. And that's certainly not true for most people in the inflammation nation. If you have an autoimmunity, for example, and you're able to go to a high intensity workout program of any kind and, and do that three, four, five times a week and do it and recover and feel good, then you're not, you are in control of your autoimmunity and not the other way around. Hopefully that makes sense to you. Because if, if the reverse was true, that if you were trying to engage in high intensity interval training and it was inappropriate for your metabolic capacity, if you're locked into an inflammatory state and your autoimmunity is controlling you rather than you controlling it, you wouldn't be able to perform and recover. And ultimately, if it gets so bad, you can't even perform, which is the point where people say, I can't even do this anymore. I used to be able to do all this stuff. And then I started making compromises and I did, I went to the gym less often. I had to, you know, cut back on my time or the amount of my weights or how hard I pushed in the gym. And eventually this just dwindled down to the point where I couldn't do it at all. And I just stopped. And that's a tragic thing because human movement is absolutely critical to health and well-being. And it's critical, of course, to fitness. And, and so really the quest is not to chase an ideal or an icon of fitness, whatever that means in your mind, whether it relates to cardiorespiratory fitness or strength or flexibility or agility, or preferably it's all of those together, because I think really that's what fitness is. It's about general physical capacity across many different tasks. I like the concept of fitness being, and, and this is really kind of a practical definition. For the average person, fitness is having enough physical and energy capacity to perform your routine daily activities of living, which may or may not include a job or a career, and to have stuff left over at the end of the day or through the day to meet additional demands, which may or may not be involved in some kind of a crisis or an emergency. And if your fitness is so bad to the point where you can't even do your household chores or the rudimentary, rudimentary tasks of your job without being totally depleted, there's no way that you can rise to the demand of a crisis or perhaps seize opportunity that comes along that you need more capacity and more energy and more, more fitness to be able to take advantage of. And so it was kind of a little bit of a roundabout discussion today. I'm going to end it here. I'm right about 15 minutes and I, I try to keep this episodes down around 15 minutes just so they're easy to listen to and easy to digest. I think when we come back in the next episode, we're going to talk about the, the what we call the metabolic tipping point. And this is the concept I was referring to earlier that I didn't invent, but I wholeheartedly endorse this concept. And very quickly, the metabolic tipping point is, is that point where 
if you did more in terms of activity and exercise, you'd be pushing yourself over your capacity to perform and respond. And so why don't we meet again in the next episode and we'll flesh that idea out with a little bit more detail. Thank you so much for listening to the Inflammation Nation. If you found this episode valuable, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Be the first to know when a new episode drops so that you can stay on top of your game. It also helps others like you find the answers they need. And why not head over to my main website, drnoseworthy.com, that's drnoseworthy.com, to explore my personalized functional medicine coaching programs, submit a question to the podcast, maybe take a quiz, or even reach out to me using the contact form that you can find there. We'll see you next time. Thank you.